We're starting a brand new chapter today at Ramp Church, and it's called Even Here, Even Now, Even Us. And chapters here at Ramp Church are not just a collection of teachings. They may start with teachings, but the reason we call them chapters is because they're literal seasons in the life of our faith family where we lean in and we go, God, we want to be changed. We want to be transformed by the truth that comes from your word. We want to be uh, have a new state of being and doing and operation because your spirit is, is at work inside of our lives. And so I want us, as we're entering this new season, this new chapter, that this, we see this literally as another chapter in our journey. And that you and I individually embrace this, and then we go, how do we work this out in our everyday lives? And what I love about this chapter that we're going into, Ram Church, is that it's, we're going we're gonna to discuss what it looks like to have a faith that we know God can do what He wants to do in our lives, in our community, and in our city even here, even now, even us, even with our limited abilities, maybe you, you, you see yourself with having a limited capacity, whatever it may be, even us, God, you can do it. Even now, in the middle of this pandemic, this, this time where it doesn't seem like anything good can come from this, we, we have a faith, we have a vision that, that tells us, no, God can work even now, and then even here, even in our city, even in my home, I believe God can do something Incredible. One, one of the biblical poets wrote in Psalms, and they, they worded their own season um, kind of like this. And look at Psalms 57, verse 4. The poet describes their season. And they're in some turmoil here. Maybe you can relate. I, I, I know I could when I read it. My soul is in the midst of lions. And I love that the writer used the word soul because they're not standing in the middle of lions, but their soul feels threatened. At the moment, anybody feeling distress sometimes mentally, emotionally? I don't know about you, but for me, lockdown 3.0 here in Manchester in England for me was a new experience. It, it, it was like I feel like I'd been duped. Like, like 2020 was behind us, and I'm like, peace out, 2020. Uh, rest in peace. I'm not revisiting that. And God did some awesome things, but I'm ready for a new year. I'm ready for a fresh start. We get to 2021, it's like, I got your jokes on you guys. 2021 is duping you. And that and I so it was a different even experience. I'm a pretty optimistic person generally. But lockdown 3.0 was a new experience that was different for me than lock, lockdown 1 and 2. And maybe you're in the same place and perhaps you can relate to this. I think this guy was actually um, uh, getting getting berated uh, with other by other people's words, but their soul felt felt in, in a really rough spot. I lie down amid fiery beasts. Whoa, uh, the children of, of man. So other people he's calling fiery beasts, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Their soul is in distress. But what I love about this is the poet has a response to these circumstances. And it isn't, let me sit in a corner and cry. It isn't, let me figure out some solution to fix the people around me. It's something altogether different. And it's something that is that is totally rooted in God's narrative. Look at this. Verse, going back to verse two, this is what the poet says. I cry out to God, most high. Not cry out to somewhere else. Not trying to change the circumstance. There's a place for that. But at this moment, the poet's saying, I'm crying out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. And, and I, I'm here to tell you today, wherever you're at, maybe you're brand new to faith, 
Maybe you're new to Ramp Church. Maybe you're a part of our faith family. Maybe you have your own ministry and you're, you feel like you're at, the, at just the front edge of what God's doing in your life. Maybe faith is something brand new. Wherever you're at in that journey, I want to tell you, God can fulfill His purpose for you in any season. And, and through this message, through this chapter, I, we're actually going to unpack the ways God fulfills His purpose for you. We're going to show you through this chapter relationally, it's not going to stop you relationally, the season, the circumstances here, that you can have a fulfilling marriage. You in your parenting can, can, can feel that you're on track with what God wants you to do. We're, we're going to talk about vision for your life. We're going to talk about what, what does church life look like in the middle of this season. And our hearts are going to be filled. This is our vision for this series, this chapter, that our hearts are filled with hope and the belief that even here, even now, even us, God can do something beyond our wildest dreams. So you're going to want to stick around for this chapter. It's, it's kind of a big basket, so to speak, that we're going to put a lot of different teachings inside, and, but they're all revolving around the theme of how do we engage when every day seems the same, when we're in this strange monotony of, of, of lockdown life, and when our kids are home, and when we can't go to our jobs and all this strange and people are losing jobs and all of this kind of place of distress. How can we be a people who stands with God in the middle of it? And what I've discovered is oftentimes the way we explain that debilitating feeling is with a phrase that I'm going to call, if only, if only. And here's, here's a question that I'm going to ask you at the start of this message. What is your if only? Instead of having an even now, even here, even us perspective that God can do it, God can fulfill his purposes, even now, even here, even us. Most of the time, and maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but I have a feeling there's some of you watching in the same place. I, I start my phrase, my vision with, if only, if only I had more education. If only I didn't have a broken home, broken family life growing up. If only I had more money. And maybe yours is different. For me as a pastor, mine's if only we could meet in person. Maybe for you, if only I didn't just lose my job. If only we, if only my kids weren't at home and I was trying to do life. If only I would get married if I wasn't single anymore. If only I had a mentor in my life. What is your if only? Fill in the blank there. Because what I want to do with this message is to show that in place of that if only narrative going inside of your mind, God wants to put in its place an even here, even now, even us narrative. And I just want to tell you, no matter where you're at in life or in your walk with God, we can sometimes have a great, a great even here, even now, even us mentality in every facet of life, but maybe there's still one. One facet of your life where there's an if-only perspective. Ooh, if, if only, if only, if only. But today, I believe God wants to, God wants to replace that if-only narrative with an even here, even now, even us perspective. What is your if-only? How do you identify if you have an if-only? This is what I've seen. This is from my reflection on if you have an if-only perspective, you have trouble seeing your own progress, your own potential, or your own purpose. So you, you say things like, I can't seem to see that I'm making progress in life. Every day feels the same. Uh, it's just this monotony of, man, I, when I look back five years ago, I feel like I'm the same person in the same place. And when I look back a year ago, when I look back five weeks, whatever it is, you can't seem to see your own progress 
if, 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 if you're in that place, you probably have some if only narratives playing. And again, maybe that's just one facet of your life, but wherever it is, maybe there's some if, if only narratives going, if you can't see your own progress, maybe though you can't see your own potential. You feel like you've hit a cap. You feel like you've hit a lid that you have trouble seeing. There's more in you than where you are right now. There's more, more growth, more maturity, more uh, productivity in your life, more effectiveness, more life-giving activities, more satisfaction than you're currently operating in. You have potential. And when you, when you have a trouble seeing that, you may have some if-only narratives going. The, also, maybe, maybe you have a trouble seeing purpose. Maybe every day feels bland. Maybe you can't see how today fits in tomorrow, how today is leading you anywhere. Well, if that's the case, you may be, ha- you may be living in an if-only narrative in some sort of place in your life. And there's, there's a biblical character I want to introduce you to, and she's called Anna. And she's a pretty unique story, but I want to give you a little bit of background um, and then I want to read her story. So she's in, she's in the gospel of Luke, but she comes at right at the beginning of Jesus's story. And I love that Luke brings her in as a character because she's only described in two verses, Luke chapter two. And she is someone who lives in the temple, but she's in a period of Israel's history that, that um, Jewish historians call the 400 years of silence. God hasn't said anything to Israel He hasn't spoken to a prophet um, for the last 400 years, four centuries. And this is a people, this is a society, a culture who based their entire society around what God had said. So here's here's this prophetess, the Bible calls her, living in the middle of a season where as a society, they're convinced God's not speaking and he hasn't for the past 400 years. Look, Look at her posture in the middle of this. Luke chapter two, starting verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So when she was young, she had mar- she'd been married and her husband passed away after seven years. Now, the, generally, young, young ladies were married in, in, at this ancient time at around the age of 14. So we can think she, she, her hus- she was widowed in her early 20s. So here we are, she's 21 years old, widowed, and look what the Bible says she's done since she she lost her husband. And then as a widow until she was 84, 84 years old. Now scholars are actually divided on whether she was 84 years old or whether she'd been a widow for 84 years. You kind of have to go in the original language to kind of understand, ooh, how does that, either way, we're talking about decades of life as a widow. And look what she did with that period. She did not depart from the temple. She worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day. Coming up at that very hour, what very hour is she talking about? Well, Mary and Joseph had just brought Jesus into the temple. So Anna has spent decades there. And you know what she's been praying for? She she was praying for what all Jewish people were praying for. And what still Jewish people are praying for today is God send, send the Messiah. Send the Messiah. Send the Savior. Send the Savior, send the Messiah. So here she is. She'd either been praying for over 60 years or over 80 years in the temple. God, send the Messiah, send the Savior. Come rescue your people because at this point, Israel was an oppressed people. 
They were oppressed by another nation. There was, there was ethnic tensions. There was religious tensions. And she, in the middle of this people who thought God had forsaken them for centuries without hearing from God, here's this person who'd been widowed. And instead of adopting that, that idea that my identity is that I've lost my husband, she says, you know what? Even here, even now, even me, I believe God can speak to me. And I don't just believe that. I believe that before I go, my eyes are going to see the promise of God. So she is, she is standing in the temple. Now just imagine how many families brought their, their young children to, 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 to these traditional ceremonies at the temple. She's seeing them every day. She's seeing them every day. Every young Jewish family would have been doing this. But on this particular day, at this particular hour, there was a unique child that was brought in. And because she'd spent, because she spent decades of her life praying and fasting in the temple of God, God gave her vision to see the promise. So she, she began at that hour, she sees Jesus. She began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of of Jerusalem. So here's Anna who gives herself. And this is what I want to tell you. This is a principle that I want to learn from her story and so many others that I don't have time to go through in scripture. But I'll mention them in a second. The cure for your if only narrative is an even here, even now, even us vision. The cure for your if only narrative is an even here, even now, even us vision. I want you like Anna to see the unseen. And what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to give you three mantras of sorts, three declarations, three things that you that I want to be stirring around in your heart and mind as we're in this season of lockdowns. We're in this season where so many things seem to be limiting us. I'm going to give you three things that if you if you make these part of your meditations, your daily meditations, your mantras, I believe it's going to shift that if only narrative into an even here, even now, even us vision. What if you can see the unseen? What if you can see from God's perspective and this time. Here's the first mantra. This moment is part of my story. This moment is part of my story. This moment, I, want you to, I just want you to say that with me. This moment is part of my story. Say it again. This moment is part of my story. You see, oftentimes, just in, in walking with people through pain and challenging seasons and in my years in pastoral ministry, I, I, and I see this in my own life as well, we generally have two responses when we go through a challenge. Um, one is we, we try to escape from the challenge, and the second one is we over-adopt the challenge. And when we over-adopt the challenge, the, 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 the way you know that's happened is when it stops being a moment in your life and it becomes your identity. In, in other words, it's not just a struggle, it's who I am. And the way, that you can, the way that you can start to live in an even here, even now, even us mentality and a vision is that you've got to realize that this is just a moment. This is just a moment. This isn't who you are. This moment may be challenging. It may be struggling. It may be limiting, but it doesn't define you. Your struggle doesn't define you. When I think about this mantra, I think of, uh, of a character in the Bible in Mark chapter number 10, who Jesus and his disciples come across. His name's Bartimaeus. And when they're walking down the road, Bartimaeus is blind and he starts calling out to Jesus. Now there's generally there's crowds around Jesus 
And so he starts calling out, trying to get Jesus' attention. Jesus, 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 Son of God, have mercy on me. He's begging for, for healing for himself. And Jesus stops. Actually, first the disciples try to quiet him down. And they say, stop, stop trying to bug Jesus right now. And Jesus hears him and stops. And there's one little, one little part of this story that I just love. And it says this, Jesus calls to Bartimaeus. And as Jesus starts to walk, as Bartimaeus starts to walk to Jesus, he takes his cloak off before he walks. Now, there's so much in that one event that I don't have time to dig into. First of all, that was probably his most prized possession. It's probably his most valuable possession as a beggar. It had functional use. He probably collected his coins on it. But for me, for the sake of this point, it also was an identification factor for him. Uh, in, a, in an agrarian society where there's no stoplights and there's no police officers directing traffic and there's, there's horses and carriages going down the street, he needed to be identified um, for his own safety and for other people's safety. So on his cloak, there would have been some kind of identification factor that he was blind. So for Bartimaeus, yes, he was laying down maybe his livelihood, the usefulness of his cloak, something very valuable to follow Jesus. But more than anything... He was laying down the identity that he'd adopted, that he was his issue. That that struggle was not momentary in his life, but he had adopted the identity of being blind. And his first act of faith in coming after Jesus was not just to cry out to him. It was to go, I so believe God can do something even here, even now with even me that I'm going to, before the miracle even comes, I'm going to take off my old identity. I'm going to, I'm going to disconnect myself from the way I have, I have identified myself with this circumstance, with this issue, with this problem. And I want to tell you, we may be in lockdown, but we don't have a, we don't have to have a lockdown mentality. You may have lost your job, but you don't have to have a unemployed identity. You may, you may be struggling right now financially, but your identity does not have to be, I'm struggling financially. Your identity can be, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God. I have been called by Jesus, just like Bartimaeus, to come here. I want to work in your life, even here, even now, even us. And that's going to birth an even here, even now, even us vision inside of your heart. When you see him, all of a sudden you want to cast that identity off. This moment, it's part of your story. It does not define your story. It doesn't define you. But I also want to tell you, it is your story. So sometimes when we go through challenges, we over-adopt it. We own it. It becomes our identity. It becomes who I am. But other times, we deny it altogether. We, we live in this denial of what's actually happening in my life. And sometimes that's personality or maybe the way you were raised. But when a challenge comes up, you just want to run. You just want to hide from it. And when I think about those of us who respond that way, I immediately think, of Moses. And I love the writer of Hebrews right here in Hebrews chapter number 11. This is so great because now we're talking about centuries later, a writer who's reflecting back on Moses's story. And this is, this is a rabbit trail, but I just want to let you know that we won't always be in these circumstances. We won't always be here. What do we want it to look like when we're on the other end? And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying about Moses. He's looking back and this is what they're saying about him. By faith, what is that faith there? He's seeing the unseen. 
He has even here, even now, even us vision. It's what vision is. He's seeing the unseen. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, if you don't know Moses' story, it's fascinating. You need to go back and read it in Genesis. But Moses was raised, even though he was a Hebrew, he was raised in, in Pharaoh's palace. But some, but the uh, Egypt, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's people, they held Hebrew people captivity. The Hebrew people were slaves to the Egyptians. And this is amazing. So in the middle of this, in the middle of this trial, in the middle of this slavery, Moses kind of gets a break where he gets to be raised in the palace. But it's a weird break because he's actually being raised by the people who are keeping his people captive. And it's amazing that this starts not with, not with something about how awesome you know, Moses was exploiting his education or how, yes, he's, he's opening doors for him in the palace. This is what it says. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What is he? That's talking about identity. That's what that is. Moses refused to adopt the identity of the people who were keeping him captive. You've got to see that. You've got to refuse to adopt the identity of this circumstance. But I know I just talked about this, but let's look at the next part. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking, thank you vision, thank you even here, even now, even us vision, to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Something about that situation that Moses said, I'm not going to adopt the identity of this, but I'm also not going to escape this. And that leads me actually to my second mantra that I want to teach you. The first mantra is for you, this moment is part of my story. But the next mantra is this, God works through this, not around it. God works through this, not around it. And for me, this really hits that, hits that, that point about escaping. Some of us, we want to escape the situation, right? We want to run from this. We want to pretend it's not happening. We want to ignore it. We, we want to act like um, life will start when this is over. But I want to tell you, God works through things. And this is, the, this is what you need to meditate on. This is what you need to tell yourself to reverse that if only narrative into an even here, even now, even us narrative. God works through this. I can just see you in your kitchen as you're telling yourself this. God works through this. I can just see you as you're on the job hunt all by yourself and you're putting in your, your 40th job application because everybody's hunting for a job and, and you're discouraged. And then you, you stop, you pause, and you tell yourself this, God works through this, not around it. That God actually wants to do something in your life right now. You see, what Hebrews didn't tell about Moses' story is that at one point Moses did try to avoid it. He, he actually left Egypt. He, this is the story. The Hebrews writer was telling Moses' story from the end. But in the middle of it, Moses tried to escape Egypt. He has an identity crisis in the wilderness. But then all of a sudden he meets God. And, and, and God tries to say, you've tried to run from this situation. But I actually want to show you that I want to use what I've brought you through. 
I don't want to, I don't want to, to get you out of what I brought you through. Ah, you've got to see the difference in that. God works through this, not around it. Don't try to escape your story. Don't try to escape this moment. Because what happens when you do that is you could actually be removing yourself from the very thing that God wants to use to process you. God wants to use to build something in you that is eternal and to, to build the very thing that's going to be a tool in your hands for the next season of your life, the next chapter of your life. What is the cure for an if only, if only narrative? If only I had, if only I wasn't here, if only. It's an even here, even now, even us vision. And that starts with this, that starts with this, this mantra. God works through this, not just around it. And the final mantra I want to teach you is this. This is it. And this leads to it. This is it. And it leads to it. I, when, when, I, when I think about this mantra, this declaration, this, this meditation that I want you to just roll around in your heart, I'm reminded of when Stacy and I, we have three girls, three incredible girls um, who are becoming young ladies now. But when they were babies, when they were young, um, we had, they're, they're all two years um, apart. A couple of them are a little less than two years. So three young girls all in the house at the same time, young. So Stacy stopped working at that time to take care of our girls. And maybe some of you are in that place, dads or moms, where you're, you're at home with your kiddos. And she was struggling because she knew there was something in her. There was more in her than, than just changing nappies and taking care of kids and dealing with housework. And it just worked best for our family for, for, for me to work at that time and um, while, she, while she was home. But she started, there was a time where she started to actually question, is there anything more than this for me? Is, is this it? Uh, she started to adopt some if only narratives. If only I didn't have kids. If only, you know, if, if only we had help. If only we lived closer to family. If only I could watch the kids and work. You know, all, all of these things she started to struggle with. And then she started to, to give up on some progress, some potential, and some purpose, like we talked about at the beginning. And in the middle of this struggle, um, she, she had a conversation with, with her mom that actually proved transformative. And her mom told her, Stacy, you're missing what's, what's actually happening right now. This, this isn't a pause button on your ministry. This is your ministry. And it's also leading you to your ministry. And what is that? Her mom was trying to inject a different narrative. It's, she was trying to inject the narrative that it isn't an if, if only season. This isn't even here, even now, even us season. That God can use, God is in this, this right now, this is it, but it also leads to it. And one of the keys for you to start to engage in where God has you, to start to find purpose, to start to, to see your potential, to start to feel the sense of progress, is you realize that God is not waiting for lockdown to be over. He's not waiting for that in your life. He's not waiting for that in my life. I know it feels mundane. I know it feels day to day like every day is the same. I know today feels like every day. But just remember Anna. 400, in a society of 400 years where people have been given up on what God said. She's continuing. There's purpose in this. I'm developing. I'm seeing. My eyes are being sharpened to see the promise when it comes. I want to tell you, this is it, but this also leads to it. In other words, 
you're not waiting around for it to start someday. The way you deal with today is going to prepare you for what God is bringing tomorrow. But there is also fruit in today. I want to pray over you as I close. As we're here at the beginning of this chapter, I, I, I just want this to resonate in us. Over the next few weeks, however long this chapter lasts, Ram Church, I want this to burn in you. That, ah, oh, maybe some of you, are, as I've been speaking, you've reflected um, over the past few weeks or maybe past few days or past few months. For some of you, maybe it's been a life cycle that you've been in. But I, my hope in my prayer today is that that you can start to see, wait, wait, God can use, God can use this. God can use this even here, even now, even us. He can use me with all my limitations, with all my struggles. He can use me now. And I want this to build some faith in you. I want this to be an opportunity for you to shift your identity out of the issue into what God's called you. You're not, you're not a self-sabotager where everything, you just, everything good that falls in your lap, you fail at it. You, you've got you've to throw that, that identity away. Perhaps it's another struggle. Perhaps sexual confusion has been a, a theme in your life. You don't need to adopt that as an identity. You need to go, this is a struggle. God wants to push me through this. And even here, even now, even me, God can use this season right now to push me where he wants me to be. And as we unpack this for the weeks to come, I cannot wait, Ramp Church, to see the fruit that happens in your life, the effectiveness we have as a community. But I want to pray over you in closing. Father, thank you. Thank you that you work in the middle of any environment, any setting, any situation. That you're not intimidated by our failures. You're not intimidated by our limitations. Father, that even in the middle of lockdown, even in the monotony of lockdown, that you can still move. And I pray now over every person who's believing for something, every person who's hoping for something, every person who has faith for something you've said. And I just pray for fresh faith, fresh hope, fresh fire in their heart to believe for more. I just pray, Father, that that, that spark of hope in, in their heart would just come alive today and that they would believe, some, some for the first time, but some for the first time in a long time, that you can use even this season to bring your purposes to pass. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being a part. If you're new to our community, be sure to put a comment in the comment section. Click the new here link right there in the description for this, this service. And we would love to hear about you. We'd love to get to know you and your story and where God has you. If you do want to be a part of Ramp Church Communities, those are coming in the weeks to come. You definitely don't want to miss this next season where we're getting together as, as a faith family. I do want to tell you, I found the only way to really have, have our, our progress, our potential, and our purpose revealed is, is in family is in community with others. It's a, unique, it's a unique relationship that allows us to see those things in our lives. So I want to encourage you, keep an eye out for Ramp Church communities, which are coming soon. And, and Ramp Church, I'm praying for you. You're loved. See you soon.